You know, we live in a day and age where there are a lot of opinions about Jesus Christ. It continues to this day. There are people who say that Jesus didn't exist as a man, that he was simply made up in history. Others will acknowledge that he did exist, but that he was not the son of God. Or they will recognize him as God's son, but not as the second person of the triunity. Even in churches today, there are mixed opinions concerning Jesus. And it is a work of the Holy Spirit confirming the witness of who Jesus Christ is in our heart through the word of God that helps us to have the truth concerning Jesus. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. So today we're going to look at the remainder of John chapter 7 verses 25 through 53. And we have just a number of things happening here, but a passage of scripture from verses 37 through 39 that are beloved by the church. And it's where I pulled the title from, If Anyone Thirst. And today we're going to look at in verses 25 through 31, He who sent me is true. In verses 32 through 37, Where I am, you cannot come. Verses 37 through 29, He who believes in me and Verses 40 through 53, no man ever spoke like this man. Let's go ahead and read the first point. It's verses 25 through 31, then I'll open this up in prayer. The word of God tells us in verse 25, then some of them from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? However, We know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Then Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Then they sought to take him. But no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. And many people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? And Father, I pray that you would just open your word to us today, that we would hear the word that you would have for us, for your church here in the 21st century. We ask in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. So there's this contention going on there in the temple. Jesus came up in the middle of this feast, came up quietly. No great announcement as he'll come in, in just a few months. This actually winding down toward the end of Jesus's ministry. But here he comes unannounced, but he comes into the temple. He begins to teach in the temple and the people begin to notice. They know that there was contention between Jesus and the religious rulers. And they noticed that the religious rulers were doing nothing. Jesus sat in the temple. He taught their people and they were doing nothing. And the people observed this inactivity of the religious rulers. And they were questioning whether their silence was actually an indication that they believed that Jesus was the Christ. And yet we find the Jewish people, they were so familiar with Jesus of Nazareth that it hindered them from understanding who he truly was. And they said, we know where this man is from. We know he's Jesus of Nazareth. In John 6, 42, it was the same issue. They said, is this not Jesus? the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, how is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? They were so familiar with Jesus that it hindered them from truly seeing that he was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. The thing is, is that they actually didn't know the truth about Jesus. From Jesus, as he begins to reveal in this passage, we discover that the Lord saying, you only think you know where I'm from. I actually came from the Father. And he sent me and I'm going to go back to the Father. But also they knew him as Jesus of Nazareth and not Jesus of Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem, as we'll get to as we continue on in this text. They also noticed that Jesus spoke with authority. But most of the people rejected his testimony. Because they, again, they knew where he had grown up. They knew or supposed that they knew he was the son of Joseph and that of Mary. Having brothers and sisters, the people saw no mystery concerning Jesus. They had said when the Messiah comes, no one knows where he is from. I'm not saying that that portion is correct. This is what the people were saying. It's one of the reasons I love scripture, because as we go through the Bible, we discover that scripture tells it as it is. And there were people there who did not truly understand the word of God. So they had developed their own opinions concerning God. Actually, we discover that God gave prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. And later on, we'll see that they knew he was to be of the tribe of Judah, the son of David, born in Bethlehem. They said, we don't know where he'll come from. Well, actually, they did. And the people saw no mystery, though, concerning Jesus. But Jesus cried out there in the temple in verse 28. He said, you both know me and you know where I'm from. I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. But I know him, for I am from him and he sent me. Jesus lets the people know that they didn't know as much as they thought. They believed that they knew Jesus' father was Joseph. We know, according to the word of God, that Joseph was merely Jesus' stepfather. They had no knowledge of Jesus' miraculous birth, the virgin birth, where in Luke 1.35, it tells us the Holy Spirit, as Mary asked, how could this 
B, seeing that I do not know a man, and the angel Gabriel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One that is to be born will be called the Son of God. They thought they had Jesus pegged, but they were far from the truth. God had given them many testimonies concerning Jesus. All they had to do is open their eyes spiritually and they would be able to see. But because the Jewish people, they had no relationship with God. And, and Jesus repeated that here in this passage in chapter 7 as well. Because you have no relationship with my father, they also did not know Jesus, didn't know where he was from. You know, we live in a day and age where there are a lot of opinions about Jesus Christ. It continues to this day. There are people who say that Jesus didn't exist as a man, that he was simply made up in history. Others will acknowledge that he did exist, but that he was not the son of God. Or they will recognize him as God's son, but not as the second person of the triunity. Even in churches today, there are mixed opinions concerning Jesus. And it is a work of the Holy Spirit confirming the witness of who Jesus Christ is in our heart through the word of God that helps us to have the truth concerning Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it tells us, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help us to gain this understanding. But also we have the word of God that the Lord has given us that explains to us from the Old to the New Testament exactly who Jesus is. So here in this crowd, they responded. They sought to take him in verses 30 and 31. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid hands on him because his hour had not yet come. Many of the people believed in him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Now, they sought to take him. His hour had not yet come. This is, as I had said before, and I'll say it again, a recurring theme in the Gospel of John. Ten times he will talk about Jesus's hour. Most of those times, it's either as hour or as time has not yet come. It will tell us that it had not yet come. Toward the end, we'll get to chapter 11 and we'll discover with his hour coming, his hour had come. It will change and tell us that it was the time that they would actually take him, that he would be crucified. But up to that time, no one could do anything to Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't going to die in any other means than what the Father had determined through his predetermined counsel, that he was to die as a sacrifice for the sins of the world upon a cross there in Jerusalem. As we learn in the book of Acts with the martyr Stephen, when the Jews had their way with killing someone, when taking someone in rage that they disagreed with, they would stone them to death. And I truly believe if the Jews would have had their way at this time, they would have taken Jesus and stoned him. And then the world perhaps could rightly say and call the Jews Christ killers. But Jesus came and he died for the sins of the whole world. 
And it was not just the Jews who were involved, but the Romans as well, both Jew and Gentile. And Jesus died upon the cross as a sacrifice, just as scripture had prophesied. But among the people were those who believed in Jesus. Not everyone desired to lay hands on him, to take him and to kill him. There were those who looked at the testimony of Jesus. They had seen the miracles. They had heard his words. Like Nicodemus in John 3, 2, who said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God had sent him. We find that people honestly looked at the testimony of Jesus and they began to believe. And yet at the same time, there were others who saw the same works and they refused to believe. Again, that's another thing that happens in our world today. We have people in this world today that have a faith in Jesus Christ as the savior of the world. They have placed their lives in the hands of God, trusting in Jesus for their salvation. And you'll have other people who sit in the same church and they'll hear the same testimony and they'll refuse to believe and to entrust their life into the hands of Jesus Christ. In John 10, 25 through 27, Jesus said, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. See, there's a thing about determining a true believer from a false believer. Those who trust in Jesus Christ, they hear the voice of Jesus. And as I said at the beginning of the message, connecting to the youth and children's ministry being upstairs for the summer. I was seven years old when I first remember hearing the voice of Jesus. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard the Lord speaking to my heart and I responded to the Lord. For me, it was a, a two day event. It was a week long revival at our church in Winthrop Harbor, Illinois. But it was a two day event where I knew the Lord was pricking my heart towards salvation. And the first night I asked him just to wait. Can I wait until tomorrow? Was my words to the Lord and he allowed me to do so. But on that next day, when the spirit pressed on my soul again and I gave my heart to Jesus. You know, the thirsty will hear the testimony of God that Jesus is the Christ. But hear Jesus and, and we don't want to hear these words. Jesus said, where I am, you cannot come. But let's see the context of why he said that in verses 32 through 36. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priest sent officers to take him. And Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer. And then I will go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we cannot find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion among the Greeks to teach the Greeks? What is this thing that he says, you will seek me and not find me and where I am, you cannot come. So this was a little bit of an enigma to the Jews. 
They heard Jesus teaching. They had no understanding of exactly what he was talking about because they had rejected the testimony of his works. They rejected the testimony of his words, that which he taught, that he was from the Father. And so they had no true understanding concerning Jesus Christ. But Jesus said in verses 32 through 34, I go to him. Here we find the Pharisees. They saw the crowd murmuring. And the Pharisees and the chief priests, they sent officers to arrest Jesus. We go back to the reaction of the religious rulers here who had sent officers to arrest Jesus. And Jesus, I believe, seeing the arresting officers show up, he delayed the arrest, saying that, hey, hey, fellows, my time has not yet come. You're here to arrest me. I know what you're up to, but now is not the time. But it will come very soon. Very soon I'll be returning to my father. I'll be returning to he who has sent me. It's incredible that the Messiah who Israel longed for, that Jesus was teaching there in the temple among them, and yet a majority of their people rejected his testimony. Jesus said in John 8, 21, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Now here's the bottom line of that statement. Where I am, you cannot come. It's because they did not believe in Jesus Christ. The reason they would not be able to follow is because they rejected the testimony of Jesus Christ, as we learn in John chapter 8, verse 21. But for this, it confused the people. They were asking, verses 35 through 36, where in the world does he think he can go that we can't follow him? Hey, if he wants to go up to the Galilee, we can just tag along. And a lot of people did. Or is he going to go out to the Greeks? Well, we know that Jesus was talking about ascending back to his father. And the people, though, they didn't understand these things. They said, is he going to go to the dispersion? The diaspora is the Greek word, and it means a scattering of the people of God. Now, here in the first century A.D., when Jesus walked upon the earth, the scholars believed that there were somewhat of more than 5 million Jews living throughout the world at that time, dispersed everywhere, not necessarily in Israel. So the diaspora is the Greek word. They were dispersed out. They were not in Israel proper. And in their mind, they're thinking, is he going to go to the Jews who are living among the Greeks? Is he going to go to teach the Greeks? They didn't understand. The problem and their hearts were fixed on the things of the world and not the things of God. That's a problem that we have to this day. People's hearts are fixed on the things of the world. Where John would write in 1 John 2.15, Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We can have that same problem to this day. We can get our hearts fixed on the things of the world. And those things of the world can be a variety of things. It might be fame. It might simply be your family. It could be the job that you have or maybe the hobby that you have. Things that distract us from the truth of God and his plan for our lives. To love the world is to be worldly minded. 
It's really desiring the things of this world instead of the things of God. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we are to be otherworldly minded. We are to be heavenly minded. We're to fix our eyes. Or as Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy, where the thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I was thinking as I was slowing down reading that, you know, I've had automobiles broken into way back in high school, my locker and gym class broken into, money stolen, houses broken into, and things taken that belong to you in this world. And you feel somewhat violated that people would come and take your stuff. And it's tough. But there's a danger when our treasure is in this world. Everything is banking on everything we have in this world. We learn that things can go mighty quick. The dues, the Pinnells, Lily and I, well, we learned that just at the beginning of this month. On May 2nd, we had a hailstorm come through this area. Not everybody was impacted by that storm, but our neighborhood was blessed with it. <laughs> In less than 10 minutes, new siding, new roofs, new windows, cars all beat up. In 10 minutes time, it went quick and I'm glad we have insurance. Things can go quick in this life. And are we laying up our treasures upon this earth or are we laying them up in heaven? You know, the thirsty have their hearts fixed upon the things of God. And it's not that we don't live in this world. We understand that we live in this world, but it's how we conduct ourselves as we live in this world. We are to live as believers, followers of Jesus Christ to be a light to others that they also might see. So the people here, they had their hearts fixed on something other than God, something other than Jesus. Therefore, as a result of that, they were not able to go with Jesus. He was talking about ultimately going to heaven. You will not be able to come. Their heart was fixed upon the wrong things. Are you thirsty today? My question have you been born again? Revelation twenty-two seventeen tells us the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. We talked about being thirsty. I talked about the spirit's work in a believer's life in two ways. The first is that of salvation. No one can come to the father except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit works when a person is saved. He is working in their behalf, drawing them to Jesus Christ, but also entering them, sealing them unto their salvation when they believe in Jesus Christ. But also the thirsty. Maybe you know that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you're thirsty for the Spirit of God to overflow your life. 
He who believes in me, Jesus said, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Are you thirsty for those rivers of living water to flow forth from your life? That's what God does, I believe, to the thirsty when they come to him that they might drink as God promised. And Father, I thank you for your word and I pray that you would be with us, Lord. If we are thirsty today, that we would come. Perhaps the thirst is for salvation. And the Bible tells us that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray, Father, that if there is one who is in need of salvation today, that today would be that day that they would turn their hearts toward you. Or perhaps, Lord, the thirst is just for an outflow of your spirit to work in their lives once again. Maybe, Lord, it's something that they've lacked and they're just wanting a a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Be with us now, Lord, as we close out in worship, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. We pray that God would bless you and keep you, that his face would always shine upon you and give you peace. God bless. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.